Our first reading will be from Psalm 61. To the choir master with stringed instruments of David. Hear my, hear my cry, O God. Listen to my prayer. From the end of the earth I call to you when my heart is faint. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I, for you have been my refuge, a strong tower against the enemy. Let me dwell in your tent forever. Let me take refuge under the shelter of your wings, for you, O God, have heard my vows. You have given me the heritage of those who fear your name. Prolong the life of the king. May his years endure to all generations. May he be enthroned forever before God. Appoint steadfast love and faithfulness to watch over him. So will I ever sing praises to your name as I perform my vows day after day. Our next reading is from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 from verse 13 onwards. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an, of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Loving Father, your word is light to our darkened hearts and a balm for our weary souls. We pray that these ancient lyrics of Psalm 61 will lift our eyes to Jesus to see that he is the risen and forever King. Help us to join together in singing these words for ourselves. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, how do you feel when you uh, look back on the year, where it's New Year's Eve, we're at the end of 2023? How do you feel when you look back on the year? Uh, there are many reasons for us to praise God as a church. I mean, we planted a church. Good, that, that, that's, that's such a good reason to praise God. Uh, we've welcomed new people into our community. You've welcomed me and my wife, Maggie, into uh, this church community this year. Uh, people have become Christian. Uh, we have people who've, uh, who've come along to church, who've come along to the life course, who have put their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus. We have people who were baptized earlier this month as well. And prayers have been answered. I don't know if you realize that um, every week in the prayer point, Steve and I take turns writing those prayers. Uh, and so I've got a collection of about 26 prayers uh, in my little notes on my, on my phone. Uh, and those prayers have been answered. Praise God. As a church, we have so many reasons uh, to praise God in this year. Uh, but in the midst of all the good things, there have also been many storms to weather, uh, both literally uh, last week uh, and also metaphorically. Thinking about planting a church, we cried bittersweet tears uh, as we sent Ben and Faith, their family, and the rest of the church plant team to plant Centenary Evangelical Church. 
We farewelled people who have graduated, uh, who have moved home, or who have uh, gone to move elsewhere and left our church. Sadly, we've seen people slowly walk away from the faith. Uh, We've lamented as we've walked alongside those who are struggling, those who are hurting, those who are grieving. And in the last week, we've said goodbye to a dear brother in Christ who has gone home to be with the Lord. No doubt, many of the storms our church has faced would have affected you on a personal and a spiritual level. Uh, And on top of that, each of us has probably endured our own storms. Uh, The stresses of work, of of study, of family, the burdens of relationships, the burden of finance, uh, the burdens of health, the struggle with anxiety, with depression, with burnout, with isolation, with loneliness, the disappointment of, of things in the past, the insecurity of things in the present, the uncertainty of things in the future, and the wrestle to just hold everything together in your life. What's your first instinct when you see a storm approaching? It's to seek refuge, isn't it? To find shelter to protect you, to find a safe place to wait out the passing storm, to find comfort that everything will be okay. As we end this year, our church family is in the midst of a storm. And some of you may be in the midst of your own storms too. And so in our final sermon for 2023, we turn to Psalm 61 to help us to seek refuge and safety. Uh, But before we look at Psalm 61, let me uh, briefly say something about the Psalms as a whole. Uh, Why is it that we can turn to the Psalms as a source of wisdom and reflection in our Christian lives? Well, let me give you five reasons why we can turn to the Psalms. First, the Psalms are written from the perspective of humans like us. Uh, They are expressions of real human emotions and real human experiences uh, as the writers of those Psalms meditate on their relationship with God. That's the first reason. The second is that the Psalms are written to be sung. Uh, While they may reflect particular uh, personal experiences, uh, such as those of King David who wrote uh, the majority of the Psalms, uh, despite the fact that they are quite personal, some of them are quite personal in nature, they have actually been collated into this uh, songbook that we refer to as the Psalms, uh, and they've been collated into this songbook so that they can be sung. They can be sung individually on your own, They can be sung collectively as a congregation. They can be sung by anyone who resonates with the emotions and the experiences expressed in those songs. Uh, There is, however, a caveat to to simply singing the Psalms, uh, because while the Psalms are written to be sung, we cannot simply take these songs as is for our own. Uh, And I'll explain why shortly in the sermon. Uh, Third, the Psalms are written to direct our lives to their purpose of praising God. The 150 Psalms have been carefully arranged into a collection of albums. Uh, You'll notice that in uh, the Psalms there's book one, book two, all the way up to book five. Uh, And they've been been collated in that order. Um, and, And that order of Psalms actually takes us on a musical and a lyrical journey towards praising God with our lives 
and to lead others to praise him as well. Now, key to this purpose of of praising God, of leading everyone to praise him, uh, is the person of God's righteous king. Uh, this This righteous king is portrayed in the Psalms as the one who walks God's way, the one who finds refuge in him, and the one who then in turn leads others to praise God. Fourth, the Psalms are written to anticipate Jesus as this true righteous king. Uh, When we read through the Psalms, we recognize that not all of them completely resonate with us, but all of them resonate with Jesus, uh, with Jesus in his role as the righteous king who suffers on behalf of humanity. And so in this way, the Psalms open up for us a little window into the heart of Jesus. And in light of this, the Psalms then help us to lift our eyes to the gospel of Jesus, and they spur us on to follow Him as He leads us in our praise of God. And finally, because, all, because of, all of, this, uh, all of this, the Psalms are written for us, Christians living here today in the 21st century, to sing, provided that we sing them in Christ. Now, without the righteous king to lead us in praise, our own attempts at praise are disrupted by our own sin. And left on our own, our hearts will uh, naturally reject God and praise other things instead. Thus, we can only sing the Psalms having sought refuge in the righteous king, the one who overcomes our sin and then directs our praise to God. And we must sing the Psalms recognizing that they are ultimately about Jesus. Uh, Because the the Psalms are songs of Jesus, they can only become about us when our identity is found in Him. When we sing the Psalms in Christ, the Psalms become the soundtrack of our Christian lives. They help us to feel, to comprehend, to process, to reflect on the various emotions and experiences we face every day, and they help us to feel those through the lens of the gospel. And as we sing the Psalms in Christ, Jesus directs our everyday emotions and experiences towards a life that praises God. Uh, Now, we'll be turning to the Psalms a few times over the next year, Uh, sort of as a a little bit of an interlude in between some of our larger teaching blocks. Uh, And each time we do, we'll endeavor to listen to how the lyrics poetically guide our affections to Jesus. And, And we'll explore how and meditate on what it would sound like for those lyrics to be upon our own lips as we sing these praises in Christ. And today we look at Psalm 61. Uh, and the big idea of this psalm is this. And kids, if you're following along on your sermon sheets, uh, this, is, this is the magical moment where you get all the answers. Uh, the big idea for this psalm is this. Find refuge in Jesus because he is our risen forever king. Find refuge in Jesus because he is our risen forever king. Uh, all the kids would have blank squares in those boxes. So here's a little bit of art inspo for you. 
uh, to, to draw your pictures in the big idea. And, and as we listen to the psalm, why don't you see how uh, this psalm helps us to understand this big idea. And my goal by the end of this sermon is that we might be able to sing this psalm during the stormy times and during the pleasant times. And that when we do, we would find refuge and safety in Jesus because he is God's forever king. So uh, if you haven't got your Bibles open yet, open them to Psalm 61 uh, and let's listen to this song. Now, whenever we turn to a psalm, it's helpful to read the little superscription at the top, if there is one. Uh, the little superscription uh, in your Bibles, in my ESV Bible, I've got Lead Me to the Rock. That is not the superscription. That is what the Bible editors have just put in as a, as a helpful guide for us. The superscription is the one that reads, To the Choir Master with String Instruments of David. Uh, this superscription is actually part of the original Hebrew text of the psalm. Uh, and it often gives us some information to help us to listen to the psalm. So have a look here at the superscription for Psalm 61. Uh, to the choir master uh, means that this psalm was likely on the playlist for singing uh, in the temple. It, w- it did the usual rotations as uh, they worshipped on the Sabbath. Uh, with stringed instruments tells us a little bit about the intended musical arrangement. Uh, it's not with drums or, you know, uh, with loud clashing cymbals. It's with stringed instruments. That gives us a little bit of an idea as to the, the mood, the tone of the psalm. And of David suggests that this psalm was written by King David. Now, sometimes in the psalms of David, the superscription alludes to a particular situation uh, in David's life. Um, sometimes it's very specific. Uh, but if you look here in Psalm 61, there's nothing of that sort. Uh, and so it's, often, it's probably just a general uh, sort of experience that he's drawing upon to write this psalm. Now, turning to the psalm itself, we can divide the lyrics into two sections. Uh, the first half of the lyrics focuses on finding refuge, and the second half focuses on the life of the king. And so we'll spend time in each half of this psalm and then see how these ideas come together in Jesus. So have a look there at the opening verses, which introduce the occasion of the psalm. Uh, Now, one helpful tip about uh, appreciating the poetry of the psalms. I know most of us probably haven't touched poetry since our year 12 English exams. Uh, But, you know, poetry can help convey things uh, using the techniques, using the the, the way the the poem comes together to help express ideas. Now... uh, in, uh, the Psalms were originally written in ancient Hebrew. Now, when, when you think about an English poem, you often uh, understand English poem, the way that it kind of gets put together is that the words rhyme together. Uh, English poem tends to r- rhyme words together. Hebrew poetry is a little bit different. Uh, English poetry rhymes words together, but Hebrew poetry rhymes ideas together. All right? So English poetry rhymes words Hebrew poetry rhymes ideas. I'm going to show you how it does this uh, in Psalm 61. Have a look, firstly, at the first uh, two lines of Psalm 61, how they rhyme. Uh, Psalm 61 verse 1 says, Hear my cry, O God. Listen to my prayer. Do you see how some of the ideas rhyme? The ideas of hearing and listening rhyme together, and the ideas of crying and prayer rhyme together. And so immediately we get this idea, when we hear this psalm, 
uh, it is being addressed to God uh, in a prayer that involves crying. Uh, it's, a, it's a prayer uh, addressed to God in tears. Now the question is, are the, uh, is this crying, are these tears of joy or are these tears of sorrow? Uh, the next line tells us, uh, gives us a bit more information. Uh, verse, uh, verse 2, from the end of the earth, I call to you when my heart is faint. This is a cry of someone whose heart is weak. Someone who has been battered by the storms of life. Someone's finding it difficult to continue on. Someone who perhaps, uh, you know, from the end of the earth, uh, feels, perhaps feels very far away from God. Uh, and, and this is an experience that King David was all too familiar with. What would you pray to God in a situation like that? You know, when you're feeling far away, when your heart is feeling faint. Maybe you would ask God to strengthen your heart, to help you to be more resilient. Maybe you would ask God to take the hardship away, to give you relief from the hurt and the pain. What does King David pray? Well, he prays that he might find refuge in God. Have a look from halfway in verse 2. King David says, Lead me to the rock that is higher than I, for you have been my refuge, a strong tower against the enemy. Here we can see that the ideas of refuge and strong tower are rhyming. They help us understand what uh, what it means when he says, The rock that is higher than I. It's this rock that is hiding now, that it is his refuge, his strong tower, his, his area of safety. See, King David knows that God has protected him in the past, and he longs again to find the shelter of that solid rock, which stands high above the chaos of the stormy waters. And so he prays, verse 4, Let me dwell in your tent forever. Let me take refuge under the shelter of your wings. Here, King David rhymes uh, the idea of taking refuge with dwelling in God's tent. Now, another way to think about dwelling in God's tent is to be in God's presence. And so what does King David pray? He prays that in his moment of weakness and isolation, that he might be In God's presence, because he is confident that he will find safety and comfort there. Now, it can be tempting at this point uh, to take these lyrics as our own and pray in the same way that King David prays. It's pretty, it's pretty relatable, right? It's it's tempting because we we can resonate with his experience. We know what it's like to feel faint of heart. We know what it's like to want to seek refuge. And if King David can seek refuge in God, then we can as well, right? Uh, But as we continue into the second half of the psalm, we realize that the words of this prayer, the words of Psalm 61, are first and foremost about the king, not about any of us. Take a look at verse 5. 
Verse 5 says, For you, O God, have heard my vows. You have given me the heritage of those who fear your name. Uh, when we think of heritage, we think of something really old, right? Uh, but heritage, uh, in this sense, means something that you inherit, hence the word heritage. Um, here, King David acknowledges that God has given to him the responsibility of leading God's people as their king. This line is not about any of us. None of us has the heritage of those who fear God's name. Uh, this line only talks about the king. And David, King David knows that he has, he has a people, he has God's people to lead as, his, as their king. Uh, which is why uh, King David then goes on to pray for the king of these people. Uh, and just to clarify, King David is not just praying for himself. He's praying for all the kings of the, these people who will come after him. Uh, have a look now at verse 6, at this prayer for the king. Uh, notice how the lines, uh, each line rhymes the idea of time. There's, there's, a, there's a reference to time in each of these lines. Uh, and, and notice how the, the idea of time slowly builds upon the previous line. Uh, listen here. Prolong the life of the king. Uh, literally in the Hebrew, it means add days upon days to the king. May his years endure to all generations. May he be enthroned forever before God. Appoint steadfast love and faithfulness to watch over him. Days, years, generations, forever. David prays that the king's throne would endure into eternity. And, and uh, most importantly, that it would do so under God. King David prays that the entirety of the king's reign would be protected by God's steadfast love and faithfulness. Now, you might think it's a bit presumptuous uh, for David to pray for the kingship like this. You know? it's, a, it's, a little bit, it's a little bit like arrogant, isn't it? But King David is simply asking God to do what God has already promised to King David. You see, uh, soon after King David was anointed as the king of Israel... God made a covenant promise to David. And in that promise, he, he promised to raise up from David generations after him that would sit on the throne forever. God promises to establish the throne of King David's line forever. And in that same promise, God also promises to provide refuge from the enemies of the king. And he assures David that his Steadfast love would not depart from the throne. You can read all about that promise in 2 Samuel chapter 7. And looking at the words of Psalm 61, do you see how King David prays for each of those things within God's promise? See, this, this praying for the kingship, this is what it looks like for King David to seek refuge in God. He expresses his trust in God's covenant promises, his promise of protection and preservation for his chosen righteous king. And this shows us what it looks like for God's people to seek refuge in God. For God's people to seek refuge is to pray that God would keep his covenant promises to bring refuge through this righteous king 
to his faithful people. Do you see how that kind of works? You see, when God's faithful Old Testament people would sing this psalm in the temple, they would be praying for the king's refuge. And in doing so, they would then be praying for their own as well. But that, that was the Old Testament people in the temple. What about us here at SLE Church? How can we sing this psalm for ourselves? Well, as I mentioned before, we can only sing this psalm if we sing it in Christ. We cannot just take these words and pray them as if they're our own. We need to recognize, firstly, how these lyrics are ultimately about Jesus. And so we need to ask ourselves this question. What would it look like for Jesus to sing this psalm? What would it look like for Jesus to sing this psalm? Well, going back through the psalm, we we can say that Jesus is able to pray every line of this psalm in the same way that King David prays every line of this psalm. Uh, we, we read in the Gospels, in the, in the accounts of Jesus' life, that there are many instances of Jesus retreating alone to pray to his Father. And perhaps the most famous example of this is his blood-sweating prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane on the night, before, uh, the night that he was to be betrayed. A moment when, with a troubled and sorrowful and faint heart, he cries out to his father to save him from his impending death. And yet, uh, even though he cries out uh, for refuge, Jesus entrusts himself to his father's will, to his father's promise, knowing that his death was something that needed to happen in order to defeat the greatest enemy, death itself. And so Jesus is led not to a rock that is higher, but to a cross to die. But his Father is with him every step of the way. And his Father ultimately delivers him from his death by raising him back to life. And it is in this resurrection that Jesus fulfills the second half of the psalm. Uh, as we've heard uh, through, or, through our sermons this month on Matthew's gospel, at the beginning of Matthew's gospel, Jesus, we, we learn that Jesus is the true Son of God. He is the promised righteous King from the line of King David. He is one of, uh, of King David's descendants. He is one of those many generations that come after King David. And so the prayer of Psalm 61 that King David prays all those times back ago is answered on that very first Easter Sunday. Here is the king whose life endures to all generations. Here is the king who is enthroned forever before God. Here is the king who is steadfast love and faithfulness himself. You see, in the resurrection of Jesus, God answers the prayers of King David. God answers the prayers of the generations of the faithful who have sung the words of this psalm in the temple in praise to God. In Jesus, the risen forever King, God's people 
find their refuge. Because, as Paul reminds us in his first letter to the Thessalonians, those who are in Christ will also rise again. When we sing Psalm 61 in Christ, we sing about finding refuge in God through the hope of the resurrection that we have because of our risen forever King. The refuge that the King prays for is ours because God, in His steadfast love and faithfulness, has enthroned Jesus as King forever by raising Him from the dead. And so when we sing Psalm 61 in Christ, we are singing an answered prayer. Which means when we sing Psalm 61 in Christ, we sing with complete confidence and a sure hope that we too will be raised from the dead. And for this, we can ever sing praises to the name of Jesus and live our lives with thankfulness and praise and hope. So how has turning to this psalm helped us to find refuge and safety amidst the storm? Well, the psalm's cry for refuge is a timely reminder for us in the midst of a storm. You know, when we're, in, when we're in the midst of a storm, we might wish for the storm to be taken away, or we might try and endure the storm in our own strength. But the lyrics of this psalm remind us that we can endure the storms. We can endure the storms by finding refuge in Jesus, the risen forever King. There are many of us who are grieving and will continue to grieve the death of our brother Kaif. To sing this psalm in the midst of our grief means that we pray not for our grief to be taken away, but we pray that we can endure the grief in the refuge of Jesus. When we sing this psalm, it means that we do not grieve as others do who have no hope, Rather, we grieve as those who look forward to seeing KF soon in the resurrection to come. When we sing this psalm, it means that as we grieve, we give praise to God for KF's life and faith. We give praise to God for his certain hope in the resurrection. As we look ahead to the new year, let's embrace the sure hope of this psalm in our hearts, and bring its sweet truths of its words onto our lips. What will it look like for you next year to find refuge in Jesus instead of the things of this world that you know won't satisfy? What will it look like for you next year to entrust yourself to Jesus as your King, the one who overcame death so that we too would be raised back to life? What will it look like for you next year to live trusting in the certain hope of the resurrection? What will it look like for you next year to proclaim this hope to those who have no hope? 
Friends, I think it is, it is appropriate that I conclude by inviting all of us to pray this psalm together and to pray it in Christ. And so that's what we will do in a moment. I'm going to invite us now to say the words of Psalm 61 together and to say them in Christ. Together. Hear my cry, O God. Listen to my prayer. From the end of the earth I call to you when my heart is faint. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I, for you have been my refuge, a strong tower against the enemy. Let me dwell in your tent forever. Let me take refuge under the shelter of your wings. For you, O God, have heard my vows. You have given me the heritage of those who fear your name. Prolong the life of the king. May his years endure to all generations. May he be enthroned forever before God. Appoint steadfast love and faithfulness to watch over him. So will I ever sing praises to your name as I perform my vows day after day. Amen.